May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, how are you doing then? These few steps into Lent, these few steps into the wilderness with Christ. Uh, I wanted to uh, invent a sort of temptometer. You may remember my uh, forgiveness-ometer, some uh, perhaps last year, where I invented a special forgiveness counter to count how we were doing with our forgiveness of other people. Well, I, I, I started inventing a temptometer. And uh, it's fallen foul, really. Uh, the temptometer was going to be uh, this morning. A, uh, I've got to be careful not to advertise because this has been uh, recorded. A, a, uh, an egg-shaped chocolate object <laughs> filled with lusciousness that one either eats slowly or puts it in their mouth in one go and enjoys a fleeting moment of excess pleasure. You've got the image. I was also going to bring a wine list of some very delicious vintage wines. Red, white, rosé, prosecco, if that's your uh, tipple. And uh, I was also going to uh, bring a, uh, a token for you for ten minutes to use on your uh, device, your mobile phone or your iPad to go in the coffee shop and have 10 minutes on the Wi-Fi so you could go access your social media account. Because uh, it seems to me people these days for Lent, uh, yes, the additional thing is giving up chocolate. So that's that spherical shaped, egg shaped, luscious thing. I'm also, am I getting your mouth watering now? Yeah, yeah. And the wine list, you may have given up wine for Lent, I don't know. Or this, this day, there's, even, there's, there's, a, there's a new thing now, people giving up their social media account. I'm finding amongst people, that is the most difficult thing for people. People tend to, can easily give up the chocolate. They can, even at a pinch, you know, push the wine bottle away on a Friday night and have a nice glass of water. Uh, but the social media account, my, isn't that difficult. So how are you getting on in these first few steps into the Lenten wilderness? Lent is a very, very familiar territory for us. The wilderness is a very familiar territory. There are many depictions in uh, uh, the art world of, of this incident where Jesus is being tempted by the devil. But there's one very interesting one uh, painted by Rembrandt. He, he, painted, he drew a few uh, images of this, but there's one in particular which uh, shows the devil. Uh, it's, an, it's an ink paper and ink drawing. It shows the devil walking alongside Jesus, looking as though he is in friendly conversation. And he's leaning in towards Jesus, and in his hand is a stone. Clearly, it's that moment, make the, this stone into bread, and your hunger will be satisfied. And uh, the devil has a sort of a, a skull-like head, and he's leaning into Jesus, and it's, it's sort, of a, a sort of a couple of friends just talking along the way. And the devil uh, has been given uh, a pair of what look like bat wings, and uh, one of the wings is sort of just sort of touching Christ's shoulder as though to say, now there, there, I'm your friend. It's a very friendly, supportive and persuasive character sort of picture. 
It's been said that temptation is rarely the monster that we immediately recognize. There's the devil in this image just wrapping Jesus with his wing. Isn't it an image from that psalm, God's wing over us? The devil was imitating what seemed to be a good thing. It seems sometimes temptation is the right thing to do. Why is temptation so very, very attractive? Who was it who said, I can resi- I can't, there's only one thing I can't resist, and that is temptation. So I know you'll all be itching to get back to your spherical-shaped chocolate things, and your glass of water, and your itching to open up your social media account. It feels a good thing to do. The devil, you see, knew exactly how to strike at the very core of Christ's being. At that situation, he'd been in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. We're not sure what else the devil had tempted him with, because this, I think, comes after all those days. He was hungry. So the devil strikes at that hunger, turn this stone into bread. He strikes at the need to uh, be in control, power. It takes him and shows him the kingdom of the world. Worship me and I'll give you all these. The devil, you see, is trying to circumnavigate that road to Christ being the servant king. He's wanting Jesus to cut out that messy bit, to get straight to being the king of kings and lord of lords. Let's cut all the other agenda and get straight to that, Jesus. I can help you with that. I'll get you there. You'll be master and king of all your survey if you'll just worship me. Prove God. Prove God. That's what God has said to you is true. Well, throw yourself off this pinnacle and the angels will swoop down and gather you up lest you cast your foot on a stone. You'll come out unscathed, not a bruise on your body. Just see whether that is the case. The devil uses complex and deep-reaching questions to Jesus. It touches on Christ's immediate need for nourishment, his identity as God's son and the saviour of the world. If you are the son of God, the devil says. The devil shows himself quite able to use and know scripture. He seems like a friendly sort. The devil has only got one script that he reads from, and it's a script which is constantly changing the truth for a lie, changing good for evil. So what is there in this story for us to learn as we take those few steps into the wilderness of Lent? Well, firstly, Jesus went into the wilderness knowing who he was. He'd not long come away from the River Jordan. And surely God's words were ringing in his ears. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the first tool in Christ's wilderness survival kit. And it would do well for us to include it in ours. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. When we find ourselves in our wildernesses, and sometimes we do, it's a place where we seem to lose our sense of direction, our sense of purpose, 
our identity. And we can be tempted to fall for the tricks of the devil. Where does our value and our sense of identity lay? Do we hear God saying to us, despite ourselves, you are beloved and with you I am well pleased for Christ's sake. I read a lovely story of a, uh, a pastor who had a son and throughout the son's life, on any major occasion in the son's life, he sent him a card. And on the card, on the card were these words, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. He sent a card when the son was going through difficult times. He sent a card when the son had seemingly let his father down. He sent the card when the son had succeeded, perhaps the time when you really need to hear those words. And all through his life, he sent these cards to his son. And the son had a collection of these affirmations from his father. And he felt that this was nourishing. This was wholesome. This helped him to become a full, rounded human being and positive about himself. However difficult the wilderness gets, we must not lose the sight of our identity in Christ. We are beloved. And when God looks at us in Christ, he is well pleased. It's easy to try to get ourselves worked up in a sort of a, a frenzy of, of the dust in the wilderness and gather up the dust and make the dust fluff up and, and cover ourselves in sackcloth and ashes and rightly sometimes so to do. But that isn't our identity. The wilderness is there, yes, to show us ourselves, but to show us who we are in Christ. So Jesus went into the wilderness knowing who he was. Jesus then did not go into the wilderness alone. Isn't it interesting, uh, the first part of the story, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness. Full of the Holy Spirit. There is no place, no experience, that we go through that is beyond the reach of God's Holy Spirit. Whatever we go through, even the final enemy death, that is not beyond the reach because of what Christ has done for us. Not only did Jesus go into, God's, uh, into the wilderness with God's words ringing in his ears that he was the beloved son, he went with the presence of the Holy Spirit given to him at his baptism. How we need to learn to draw on the strength and sustenance of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we need to reflect on our baptism promises. Yes, made for us by our godparents and then reaffirmed at our confirmation. And I want to throw a challenge to you. On Easter Eve, uh, the bishop is coming to, there'll be a service of baptism and confirmation. And I want to throw a challenge to you to come to that service, even if you are baptized and confirmed, and to renew your baptism vows, and to receive the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. For it is at our baptism that we receive our vocation. It is at my baptism that I received my vocation, first and foremost, 
to be a follower of Christ. And then for me, that led to ordination as deacon and priest. You have a vocation given to you at baptism. And you can, in Christ, draw on the power of God's Holy Spirit to sustain you through your life. I want to throw that challenge for you to come to that service and to renew your baptism and confirmation vows and to step out again into the world full of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've never been baptised. Perhaps you're coming along and just as it were, your pardon the expression, just stepping your toes in the water. I want to challenge you to think about stepping forward and saying, yes, I want to be baptised. I want to affirm my desire to follow Christ. There is nothing to hinder you. I would challenge you, too, to come to that service and to be baptised and to be confirmed. And if you'd like to follow that up with me, there would need to be a time of preparation. But we could, we could sort that. I want to challenge you to make that step into God's grace and God's anointing and God's power, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to live the Christian life. That's the advert over for the Easter Eve service. But I think you've got the message. And then the wilderness is not a place to make us holy, but it is a place to make us whole. Paradoxically, it is a place where we can restore our sense of direction and also find where our true values lay. It's very odious for a preacher to bring personal anecdotes and experiences. But I want to just say something about that. I, of recent months, have gone through a fairly difficult wilderness experience, not a doubt in God or a doubt in my faith or my calling, but something that's been quite difficult. But yet I have found along the way, in the dust of my wilderness, I have seen the footprints of Christ and I've seen my own footprints. And I've found there God in all his fullness and grace and the anointing of his Holy Spirit. I have found nourishment for the journey ahead. It is a place not so much to make us holy, but to make us whole. For Christ, the wilderness experience was part of his calling. Christ reclaimed the wilderness for us. He took back that territory. As the children of Israel went out into the wilderness, as they stepped, they took territory for God. Christ has taken the wilderness. He has taken that territory. It is our place. It is a place where we can go and find nourishment and hope and help. The minute Christ stepped into the wilderness... He was on a course for Calvary because it is a place of self-emptying. He did not fall for the devil's self-centered temptings, but he kept on course. The devil is never far away. Whether you believe in a personalized devil or a concept of evil, either way, it is never far away. It says at the end of that reading, the devil left him 
to wait for an opportune time. He's quite sneaky. The devil is sneaky. Evil is sneaky. You remember what Jesus said to Peter? The devil is outside, prowling around like a lion, waiting to devour you and to sift you like wheat. It's quite uh, unnerving. But yet, our place in Christ is secure. We can resist the evil one. We can resist evil. So the Lenten wilderness is a familiar place for us. But remember, what do you have in your toolkit for the wilderness journey? You have that card which says, You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. You have your baptism or potential baptism. Some of you may well be baptized on Easter Eve. You have the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Come to the waters of baptism again and drink and be nourished and be anointed. We sang in our opening hymn. Be our strength in hours of weakness. In our wanderings, be our guide. Through endeavour, failure, danger. Father, be thou at our side. Amen.